I'm Jean-Philippe Courtois, JP. This is Positive Leadership, the podcast that helps you grow as an individual, a leader, and ultimately as a global citizen. It's about the real job. Yeah, yeah. Which is to explain to the best of my ability mm -hmm. the decisions we're making and to provide that clarity mm. to the people who have bet on us. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> the things you're really about are the durable things. Yes. Integrity, yes. trust, yeah. clarity. Yeah. So I focus on those. Amy Wood is Chief Financial Officer at Microsoft. She runs the company's finance, tax, accounting, real estate audit teams, and more. It's really a huge role in a very complex business. We are partners on the Microsoft Senior Leadership Team, and one thing that's always struck me, seeing her working up close, is how she's always totally in control when it comes to operating in high-stakes environments. Four times a year, Amy leads the Microsoft earnings call with investors and the media. And however well things are going in the business, there's always lots, lots of intensity. Amy has so much wisdom to share with leadership. I was super excited to have her on the podcast. So Amy, you and I go a long way in our journey history at Microsoft, and you are a colleague, but also a very close partner at the senior leadership team of, of our company. And I've got a very deep respect for you and what you've done, what you keep doing for the company and beyond. I remember actually vividly many great, exciting one-on-ones we had in our professional life. But this conversation is going to be a bit different. It's going to be more personal, maybe emotional at times, as we discuss your own leadership and transformation journey and the way you think about your own purpose, your leadership philosophy, your impact at work and, and beyond the professional circles as well. So it's a delight, Amy, to have you on my Positive Leadership Podcast here in Redmond in Washington States. Welcome. Thank you very much. I'm excited and honored that you asked me. So to start with Amy, I'd like to get back to your family roots. If you understand well, your childhood was in a small city in Kentucky and then in Nashville, Tennessee. You and I have actually two things in common. We both grew up in the South, you in Kentucky in the U.S. and me in Little France, in Nice, in the French Riviera. <laughs> and I think second thing we have in common, all dads were both doctors, but none of us decided to become doctors. <laughs> and none of us as well stayed in the South. So you didn't become a teacher either, despite I think having many professional teachers in your family. So can you tell us more how your parents, I think your grandma would play an important role as well, your sister and others significant have shaped some of your core values? that you consider as your moral compass? And what are those early life values that in a way still define who you are and the way you think about life? I know it's a big question to start. It is a big <laughs> question to start. And we do have those things in common. I did grow up in Kentucky in a relatively small town, a bit away from where my mother's side of the family yeah. had grown up. And I always had a very tight-knit hmm. family yeah. unit. Yes. Very close. And in so many ways, I would say, when I think about core values, uh, leading by example. Hmm. We weren't a family that maybe talked about the example you should set. It was absolutely about the actions. Doing it. That you took. 
Showing it. Showing it every day. <laughs> every day. Whether that was showing how you cared for someone through actions. Yeah. Maybe it was showing that hard work, yeah. which is probably a second oh, yes. principle. <laughs> um, yes. That hard, valuable work. Yes. Done in the pursuit not of yourself or in recognition. Mm but in the enablement of others or of an others. outcome. You know, we grew up in the church. The church was the center of the community and the center mm. of the value system in some ways. Yes. So the concept was never that you did it for, for you. For you. You did it for a bigger purpose, whatever yes. that purpose was to you. Yes. And, yeah. and so I always knew that if you wanted to be understood as having a good compass, a good understanding mm. of your role, you did that through hard work toward ends that benefited not you, but community. And I yes. think that shows itself in yes. many of their choices. Uh-huh. As you noted, my, my father's a doctor, yes. my sister's a doctor, yes. my mother was a nurse, <laughs> nurse. Yeah. my grandfather was a teacher, hmm. my grandmother was active in the church, cousins, family members, all, all in that community, in community. And involved. Yeah. No, it's, it's really transpired, I think, in your personality as well. It's interesting because, in a way, the words you've been using, Amy, are very aligned with uh, some of the fundamentals of positive leadership, which is you go at one point from everything about yourself. I think we kind of all go through that cycle at some point. <laughs> to be to the service of others. And understanding, actually, the way you, you can do that in your lives, professional, personal, social, together, is a big accomplishment. So I'm sure we'll get a chance to talk about that. So now really, one of the core foundations, again, of a positive leader is self-awareness, self-confidence, so that you can actually allow yourself to be authentic, vulnerable, and caring. But really, it takes a lot of hard work on yourself, on oneself, to take care of you physically, mentally, emotionally. So what I'd like you maybe to share with our listeners is what are your daily routines so that when you start your day, you feel a positive energy flowing into your veins and into your mind and then into your mouth, <laughs> and it flows. That's such a good question. I, I do have some routines, and I think actually I've adopted them yes. in this job more so than maybe I realized before. Okay. It before. I realized I needed better tools hmm. um, to, to handle pressure and where that pressure comes from and why does it exist. Number one, sleep is incredibly valuable. Oh, yes. uh, people often, I think, even myself at times, used to think, oh, well, it's about the hours you, you work. Yes. Now I'm a big advocate. It is the opposite. Exactly. It's about the sleep you get. Quality of sleep. It's about the quality of that rest, the yes. mind, the break yes. that your body needs. Uh, it's not about how many hours you put in. But it's about preparing yourself yes. to be really ready hmm. to have a meeting or a moment yes. in the workday or outside the workday yes. yeah. that's respectful. Hmm. Respectful. It's a funny word to choose, but it's also really telling about Amy's approach to her own self-care and the care she shows to others. The thing about self-care is that it takes time. But Amy sees it as a good investment, an investment into the kind of energy that she and I and you want to see the people we work with or live with. Energy that enables you to be focused and dynamic and present in a way that shows respect to the people 
you interact with in your day to day? I think when you get into leadership seats, mm. and it doesn't have to be the seats you and I are in, but yes. in any yeah. position, yes. you can often forget what the purpose of a meeting or a moment is. Yeah. <laughs> and it can seem like for you and I, it could be getting an answer. Mm-hmm. Usually that's not the purpose of a meeting anymore. No. It's about what example does that moment give to the people who mm. see you or I once a year? Yeah, yeah. Once every 90 days? Yeah. Once in a career? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> and that moment and what it means. Yes. What would to, you take away from that as well? What is the... Yes. What yeah. What happens in those yeah. 55 minutes, yeah. 25 minutes, whatever? The interaction, yes. And what do they leave with? Yeah. And so when I think about why do you create routines? Mm. Why do you create space in your day yeah. to be ready? It's because to me, it's another day. Mm-hmm. To a lot of people, it's their moment. It's their day. It's their, their day, day, their big day, their, their yeah. capital yeah. D day, as opposed to you yes. and I, yeah. where it's Tuesday yes. <laughs> or Wednesday. So you're very sensitive to that context for the people surrounding yourself. Because other, if you miss those, yes. you miss everything, really, Agree with you. about what it means to really do a job yes. um, as opposed to c- complete the task, <laughs> yes. right? All of us have things going on in our lives that drain our energy. There's pressure. There's sadness, too. And if you want to have the energy to be fully tuned into the people around you, fully tuned into their experience of you, you need to make that choice. It doesn't just happen by accident. Now, there's lots of ways you can put yourself into a more positive headspace. Amy uses positive affirmations. Every morning, she tells herself the same thing. Today is going to be a good day. And for me, I tend to do it on my either drive-in or if I'm staying and working from my home office, I tend to do it on a walk and say, okay, now is the time. So you prepare your mind. Prepare prepare. the mind to (laughs) say, here is my day. Here are the moments that I need to accomplish. Hmm. And it needs to be good. It Hmm. doesn't mean everything that's going to happen that day is good or positive or easy. It means you're making a choice about how you respond. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> and if you start there, yeah, it, it's far, I think, more empowering. It is. Um, to make better decisions. And I think it really uh, creates uh, a wonderful environment for others to speak up, to open up, to thrive, <laughs> because you make it much easier for everyone else as well. So one thing that's really interesting about your career is that your past leadership is not a linear one. Most CFOs have a background in accounting financial law. You don't. You got a bachelor, I think, in economics. I mean, very great background from Duke, then MBA from Harvard, and then started Goldman Sachs in 2002. And there's this great cut, which I found where you say that you continually took jobs where you, where you are not really qualified for. So how important has it been for you to move outside of your areas of comfort, <laughs> outside beyond the plan of record you had to accept, to take risk and accelerate your personal growth. It's interesting. I think 
there are lots of things that are critical hmm. to being comfortable taking rest, but the, yes. probably the one that's the most critical is self-awareness and self-confidence, those sure. two aspects. Yes. And so I think earlier in my career, mm -hmm. I was not nearly as comfortable. And it's because, you know, I, I took a job at Goldman Sachs, it's true. Yeah. I had taken zero finance classes at that time, zero accounting, although I still haven't <laughs> taken those, as you know. <laughs> and really, I was just looking yeah. for a job, hmm. not a career. A job. A job. Hmm. And, you know, you take a job because you don't have a better idea in that moment. Yeah. And then you learn, mm. which I've always said to people, mm. you know, I learned parts of it I liked, parts of it I didn't, I didn't enjoy yeah. as much. Yeah. But then it took me maybe longer than others to realize that I maybe wasn't made for that work. Mm. Um, well, although I liked many things. I worked there yeah. and for a long time. For a long time, many I, years. Yeah, right? I, yeah. 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 So it wasn't, I always say to people, <laughs> You know, they're disappointed when maybe their first job choice doesn't work. And yeah. I'm like, oh, I, I've been through many yeah. Uh, yeah. that I, I maybe wasn't <laughs> deemed as successful. Yes. But in those moments, yeah. you have to find that yeah. awareness. And as I maybe got into my early 30s, hmm. which I remind people I had no job at that point. I had quit no job. my job. Mm -hmm. I had no job. No plan. No plan. And I simply had a friend here who said, let's just find some grounding. Like, hmm. let's get another job and just work on it. Yeah. And I realized in that moment, I think I'd solve for everybody else but my own mm. sort of confidence yes. and, yeah. and finding yeah. that grounding. And so maybe at 30, when I take mm. a job at Microsoft, yeah. <laughs> um, I found that grounding. Huh. It was um, an accident. One of the best accidents that could have happened. That could have happened, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's great, great to hear the way you've been thinking about actually experiencing work, Amy, and the way you... You didn't necessarily have a vocation as you started, <laughs> but you grounded yourself, getting to know yourself in reality, and then deciding to to find the right place to go and, and grow your potential. It makes me think, actually, of a conversation I had with someone, um, Aminia Ibarra. She's a professor of organizational change at London Business School. This is what she told me on a podcast. Don't let the way you've done things in the past define you. And don't be afraid to make radical change. And she talks about the cycle of acting like a leader and then thinking like a leader uh, of a change from the outside in, which creates what she calls outsides. So what she means is the principle holds that the only way to think like a leader is to first act. Take action, and I think you are someone who takes action. I can I can confirm that to my listeners in a big way. So uh, you got a lot of incredible experiences, of course, along your career at Microsoft, and and the way in ways that could help you changing and shaping your perspective as well. I guess on the world and the economy, on the business, and many things else. And so one of the key attributes, really, that that we find as we expose ourselves to new experiences is the way we are able, again, to build that positive energy in ourselves and to create an environment, again, for our team to do our best work. So can you tell us the way you can help people in your team to, particularly in some of the most challenging times, and we are, you know, like any large company, we've gone through ups and downs, through financial crisis, 2008, and now, well, maybe a recession coming up, who knows? <laughs> And so how have you built uh, your people's faith in themselves? How do you do that? 
Oh, it's a, this is a hard one because I think it's also grounded in some consistency. Yeah. Right. I do three things hmm. as the CFO of Microsoft. I pick leaders. I develop leaders. Mm-hmm. And I allocate resources. Hmm. Two of them yeah. are about building people. People and teams. And teams. Yes. And so for me, building those teams means creating clarity Hmm. so that they and the leaders know it's their responsibility. Realizing that power doesn't come from being the decider. Real power comes from building an organization that can make decisions and build. Yes. (laughs) And so when you start to move the ego and the id. Oh, yeah. (laughs) From the thing, from the job, Hmm. you start to spend a lot more time on others and teams and leaders. Yes. And I think that journey is the journey of what that you're talking about. You have to say, okay, well, I'm going to spend my time building confidence. I'm going to spend my time building confidence in others. I'm going to spend my time Hmm. coaching before the meeting so that I'm not in the meeting. Yeah. And you think about every choice, Who's going to respond to the email? Where should the email go? It's in every action. Every small detail matters. Every small detail. I I love the way you you talked about those kind of three Uber priorities in a way in your life, professional life. And the way you use that as as your compass to really understand what is expected from you to achieve in that particular moment, instant, with that interaction with customers, with people, with teams, with analysts. Mm-hmm. And back to those fundamentals. So I think that brings so much clarity for a leader and not be confused and attached to position of supposedly strength or superiority, yes. which is, you know, which is ir- irrelevant. It's irrelevant. <laughs> and I think this is the one thing that's so hard, I think, when, yeah. we, when you or I talk about it. A lot of people see the position in a hierarchy. Completely, yeah. <laughs> and think with that comes things. Yes, What really comes with it Hmm. is a decision to make service part of your daily existence, not about the meeting. That pivot, which I didn't do until later. Same with me. Right. You don't (laughs) don't realize it. You don't realize it. No. So I'd like to expand the discussion on the way you do that at scale, building, picking those talents, building those organization capabilities people. You and I have been together actually sponsoring the Microsoft Management Model, the famously famous model called Model Coach Care. We've been even registering together a learning session on LinkedIn, which I invite all listeners to check out. <laughs> you know, in that session, you uh, was listening it again, and you were uh, basically emphasizing three key practices to attract and retain the best talents. Number one, be intentional and, th- and enthusiastic about the potential for individuals to thrive and create an environment where people can actually thrive. Number two, know everyone's capabilities and aspirations, like one by one. <laughs> Number three, invest in the growth of others by guiding them in navigating and growing their careers. So can you share with us the way you learned and you've been practicing that caring muscle along the way? And any kind of, not more than tips, any kind of advice, coaching advice you have for our listeners, particularly, again, in that moment, uh, Amy. And, of course, we've gone through the pandemic. 
know, here comes another time and who knows where it's going to go, depending where you live in the world as well. So how much caring helps? People interpret caring yeah. in many ways. Oh, yes. And I have taken caring and lots of the language that you and I just used is about an investment you make hmm. in someone else to yeah. understand their goals. It's about them. It's about them. It, the care hmm. is really taking the time. Oh, yeah. It's taking the time and the commitment to understand really what they want, really respecting those choices. Yeah. It means reserving judgment. Yes. And this is the hard one. Not jumping immediately on your judgment. My judgment of their choice. Yes. There is no, that's not part of it. Yeah. (laughs) The part of it is only, (laughs) I want to understand the journey that you want to be on. And I want to think about how I can support that journey. Even if it may not match, Hmm. in my mind, the journey you are like, wow, if I had your attributes, I would really want to do this. Yeah. I may get excited by that, yeah. <laughs> but that's not the that's job. Not, that's not that's the job. That's not the yeah. job. And I do think that in those moments, if I could offer, you know, advice, yeah. it's um, the investment of time mm-hmm. and the reservation of judgment. Mm. And then the energy needs to go toward the other. The others, yeah. I just want to take a pause there to let that point sink in. It is common knowledge that helping employees set and reach goals is a critical part of every manager's job. But what if you don't agree with their goals? I mean, their personal goals. But what if you think they are making the wrong choices? Suck it up. (laughs) Caring doesn't mean infantilizing others. A manager's job is to provide supportive autonomy, to give people the room they need to succeed in whatever it is that they want to achieve. It's very complementary, obviously, to the other muscle I've been passionate about, which I know you're passionate about as well, Amy, which is, of course, coaching people, which, you know, in my favorite, one of my favorite episodes I had with Michael Bungestani reminds me, of course, of three other principles he's been using. I've tried to practice myself for years. Be curious, <laughs> be lazy in a sense of not finding the solution for the others, <laughs> fixing the problems for the others, which I've been guilty of doing for so many years in my life, and be often in a way you open for that moment of coaching with people. So I'd like to expand the discussion on something additionally critical to build lasting capabilities as a team who's going to really bring its very best with you every single day in any organization, not just in a business, could be an NGO, could be public services. It's a sense of belonging. And I think it's something core to your heart as well. So could you unpack with me, what is the sense of belonging so important? How do you build it? How do you build it? Oh, this is, I think this may be the thing I care the most about in building a team. Belonging, Hmm. it lets people do great things. It lets them offer maybe unusual suggestions Mm -hmm. to a problem. Mm -hmm. When I have felt like an outsider, Mm. I never raised my hand. I never whispered to the person next to me, maybe there's a better way. 
I never sent an email asking for clarify. <laughs> I never did those things. Yeah. yeah. When I felt a little on the outside. Yes. And then you think about, wow, if I felt on the outside. What about the others? <laughs> imagine. Yeah. yeah. How the vast majority of people who sure. do not have the background and privilege that you and I have sure. must feel in those moments. Yeah. So then it becomes almost an imperative, like a weight. Yes. <laughs> that if you are not doing that as a leader, if you're not enabling people <laughs> to only do what they're capable, which is amazing things. It is amazing to get that done, yes. Then you have to take that away. Yes. And so yeah. that's why belonging for me is a hmm. almost purpose. <laughs> yes. Because if you just for one second think, hmm. what don't you do? Hmm. when you What, like, what, what behaviors? Hmm. And you know that they're all the things that don't make people shine. For sure. <laughs> and so we know what people shining looks like, yeah. right? You know, yeah. Yeah. the joy, the yeah. the pride, yeah. the way yeah. they yeah. walk home. Yeah, yeah. The way they go home and yes. say p to people, I had a great day. And I'm proud of the, the day I had. And, and the they're proud. And then yes. that builds in your personal life. Oh, for sure. Right. And so I, when I envision that cycle, hmm. then those days you remember, Oh yeah. did you build that? Did you think about it? And we use lots of words for it, as you know, know here, I, inclusion. I, yes, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. But belonging. It's a great world. I think it's a nice word. It's a great world. It also, honestly, reminds us of uh, the belonging to our families as well. Yes. I think family roots as well. So in a way, it brings people back to their, to their core, I think. So it's wonderful uh, way, I think, to describe that. The criticality of that sense of belonging, Amy. So moving almost to the end, almost. Uh, I was talking actually to Pete Carroll, that I think you know well as well, the Seattle Seahawks head coach on the podcast. He's someone, as you know, who's been spending a lot of time and energy on making sure his players feel like they belong. He used that word too. <laughs> and he realized that it's only when people feel like they belong that they are willing and able to hear what they need to improve actually as well. That to push yourself to your limits, to take risks, to be prepared to fail at the highest levels. And you need to feel uncomfortable from time to time. So being mindful about finding ways to making your team feel relaxed, whether it's looking them into the eyes and smiling more or coming out behind your desk, these things matter. And so coming back to your reality as well, Amy, uh, as a CFO again, you present Microsoft uh, to the financial markets for all times a year. <laughs> So how do you manage those situations? <laughs> I know before earlier you, know, you talked about your routines. I do. Is it what helps you? And what else do you do to be ready for that moment? <laughs> I still get very nervous. And to make sure I'm centered hmm. in that, um, I have a few things I do. I uh, Number one, I... People laugh. I eat lunch very early. <laughs> Earlier than Earlier than usually. Yes. Than usual. And I'm already eat a little early because so I'm a morning person. So early is that? Uh, like 10 o'clock in the morning. So I just have a okay, morning. Okay, wow. I, so That's... because for me, yeah. at that point, yeah. I then don't do other things. I got you. So at that point, I've decided. Your entire body. My entire body needs to become more grounded. Yes. You need to clear your mind. Yes. I do not answer email. I do not answer text. My phone is Should down. Phone, My phone is yes. away. Yeah. 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 I take a walk. Uh -huh. 
you will recall, I used to have to do one earnings call a year from yes. a remote location at our oh, sales yeah. event. Oh, yes. And so taking walks in cities <laughs> I wasn't comfortable with, I think I made some of your sales team nervous because I looked no. like I was wandering um, the <laughs> hallways of, of, of hotels around the world. But yeah. <laughs> it was more just keeping the consistency for me. Yeah. Then I do some breathing exercises. And then I just read through the script one <laughs> last time. Yeah. And then I'm done. And you're done. And then I'm done. And no, unfortunately, comes the very last question because <laughs> I just recorded a fantastic discussion with Sir Ronald Cohen. Don't know if you know him. He's, he's someone who created Apex Partners. So at the time where he was actually one of the very first VCs in the world, he created as well the first social impact bond in the world and advised the UK government and the G8 on their social innovation agenda. Ronnie, as he likes to be called, believed that our existing social contract has expired and we are now in the process of drawing up a new one in the form of impact capitalism. He's deeply convinced that the combined power of financial markets, entrepreneurs, and big businesses to bring urgently needed solutions is vastly greater than even the power of governments. And that we must harness this power. So he believes indeed that it's time to reshape capitalism so that it's delivers its promise to increase prosperity and social progress for all, spreading meaningful economic opportunity to billions of people, lessening inequality and preserving our planet for future generations. I know this is a big and bold vision, Amy. <laughs> uh, I know it's, it could seem almost naive at some point, but how do you see the role of the business community beyond, of course, delivering the expected financials for the shareholders, number one? Has the time come indeed to not only do that, but also be an active participant in helping the world and the planet to be a better place for you kids, my kids, and all of us? Well, I think this is one where, you know, you and I have spent a lot of time, even at Microsoft, yes. about how we can participate in that. It's, we're lucky in many ways because Very we much. work at a place. Yes whose mission is, in fact, to empower those things to happen. Yeah. Not just for ourselves mm. inside our walls, but to empower customers and partners to do the same. Many of whom share a vision yes. that the role um, of corporations is to have profitable solutions mm -hmm to the problems of the planet, yeah. I think is what Satya and I and you are often Love using di this. Discuss, discuss. Yeah. And whether that is mm -hmm. investments in sustainability, yeah. trying to find innovative solutions yeah. using our capital the along with those of, and technology. Yeah. Talents, et cetera. Yeah. To help a breakthrough. Mm. Because I do think... There's both business opportunity, which is really yeah. what the conversation. Completely. There, it's not philanthropy. I'm talking about philanthropy. There's real opportunity yeah. yes. that will be created by technical advancement mm -hmm. to have durable solutions yeah. in climate but in other places. Yeah. And the role that we can have mm. in seats like yours or mine mm -hmm is to see the world as a connected place, hmm. right? Yeah. Where investments we make in, in wind or carbon removal yeah. Yeah. 
are, of course, good for us. I don't want to mislead sure. anyone. They are sure. absolutely good for the Microsoft Corporation yes. because we believe that hmm? our commitment to net zero is a real commitment. Yes. To deliver on. And we're executing against that commitment. And yes. we are executing against yeah. that commitment. Yeah. But it's also that those mm. solutions by companies mm. who have the ability to make those kind of commitments um, yes. and the flexibility to do it yeah. can lead. And in fact, we feel we should lead in those ways. Yes. And I think we our job is to pick the ones where we can have the biggest impact. Mm-hmm. We've picked sustainability. We've picked affordable housing yeah. in, in places and in, around the world. We've picked uh, inequality. Yeah. Maybe as our largest commitments that we see yeah. where we can make a real difference. Yes. Uh, there are others. Yeah. Broadband access. We can yeah. go down the list of things that can help shrink gaps. Yeah. Um, and also, who can build the next generation of employees For Sure. with real skills. Yeah. They're valued in the market today, building economic opportunity that builds on itself. And so I think those are the days that help Mm -hmm. make days good. Yeah. Right? When you say how you get back to having a good day, (laughs) is you remember those aren't side pursuits, they're fundamental Mm. pursuits. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to think about hiring the best employees around the world, if you want to think, about retaining the best people. If you want yeah. to think about building connection and inclusion yeah. and belonging, yes, these things do that. Yeah, they do that. Yeah, they do. And they build purpose. Yes. And that purpose encourages others. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I do think those things matter. They people matter. often ask, "Can I do a math equation on it?" <laughs> And I've thought more and more maybe I can, yeah. right? Because you know what employee retention means. For you know sure. what the best people mean. You know the value of that. You yes. know what getting a profitable solution yeah. to sustainability means. Yeah. And I have increasingly believe that if we need to be mm-hmm. do the math, we can do the math. Yeah. Amy's vision for the role of corporations to provide profitable solutions to the world's problems is something that matters to me, and I think to our employees at Microsoft, and increasingly, our shareholders as well. Gone are the days when we could expect someone else, a government agency, or some other nebulous large bodies to have the answers and ability to solve all the world's issues. It is not enough to wait for someone else to do it. We need smart, capable, innovative individuals and organizations to be motivated to leverage their core resources to solve these problems. What a wonderful way to end that conversation with Chile, Amy. It's been, a, it's been a real, real pleasure to get to know you a bit better, a different one-on-one that we had in the past, from Kentucky to New York to Redmond, Washington State, and more importantly, to your leadership journey. I think it's a wonderful uh, and inspiring example for many of listeners, particularly young female talents across the world to feel inspired about the power they have in themselves to achieve more, to achieve more and to have the bravery you talk about, to have the ability to create the space for themselves to speak up, to grow, and to basically, you know, carry that positive energy with others in their lives. So thank you so much for that moment, Amy. 
And I wish you, of course, the very best, not just for the next earnings call, <laughs> but for all the big things you're going to do, not just for Microsoft, but beyond Microsoft and your community. Thanks a lot, Amy. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Positive Leadership with Jean-Philippe Courtois at JP. If you've got a question about leadership you'd like me to look into or someone you'd like me to have on the show as a guest, do get in touch on LinkedIn or Twitter. I'm always excited to hear your suggestions. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave us a comment or rating and subscribe now wherever you get your podcast. That's it. Goodbye.